It's Wednesday, March 18, 2020. I'm Stephen Fee, and this is The Pen Pod, a limited run podcast from Pen America. On today's edition, we're here. The Pen Pod is a brand new daily listen for our members and friends, and today is day one. Then, an interview with our CEO, Suzanne Nossel, on how disinformation has made the coronavirus outbreak more acute. And finally, books to keep you company. I'm Stephen Fee, all that coming up on The Pen Pod. Hey everyone, and welcome to the first installment of The Pen Pod, a limited-run podcast from the literary and free expression group Pen America. So why are we doing a podcast? You know, normally in the spring, we at Pen America are running at top speed, producing events here in New York City and around the country. The coronavirus outbreak has put a temporary hold on all that activity. It's also had a dramatic impact on writers and readers. Bookstores are halting events, publishers are suspending book tours. It's a major disruption to our work, but also the work of so many others. We also feel that it's important that you, our friends and supporters, are hearing from us often. This podcast will feature interviews with our experts here at PEN America, authors and writers, our local chapter leaders, all coming together to share their thoughts on how things may have changed, but also on how we can sustain a literary community during these tricky times. We plan on keeping these podcasts short, anywhere from 8 to 12 minutes. Enough to give you some great conversations, some new things to read and consider, and for those of you who, like us, are working from home, it's short enough to listen to during a quick walk around the block or while you're making lunch. We're excited to try this out, and we're here to listen to you. Send your ideas for guests, topics, and more to info at pen.org, or reach out to us on social, at PenAmerica, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for joining us for this first episode. Up next, an interview with CEO of PEN America, Suzanne Nossel, author of the forthcoming book, Dare to Speak. And joining me now is PEN America's CEO, Suzanne Nossel. She's author of the upcoming book, Dare to Speak, and just wrote a piece in Foreign Policy magazine, Truth Has Become a Coronavirus Casualty. Suzanne, welcome. Thanks for having me. So, you know, since we're all working from home, where are we catching you right now? Well, I live in Manhattan, and like many Manhattanites, there is no home office, so I am on my bed. Well, so I wanted to first talk about your foreign policy piece. In that piece, you write that we're experiencing the consequences of a virus of disinformation. What does that mean exactly? Yeah, look, it started in China, where in the very earliest stages of the virus, you had one particular doctor who posted to a group of medical professionals saying, hey, I am seeing something disturbing, something new. I'm worried about this. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? And he was reprimanded. He was charged with spreading rumors. He was disciplined. And the message was sent that doctors could not be talking about what they were witnessing in the hospital. And so that slowed down the reaction time. People didn't come to grips with the spread of the epidemic in those various earliest days where it might have made the most difference. And we also saw the Chinese government putting out videos of people doing yoga uh, in quarantine units. And at the same time, citizen journalists would be taking videos of individuals dragged, kicking and screaming from their homes and the front doors of apartment buildings being boarded up in this very draconian approach to quarantine. But unfortunately, you, know, you sort of expect that from China, but this 
kind of virus of disinformation has been spreading across the globe. And of course we see it, you know, now it's hit home. We have a president and an administration that have not been clear or consistent in following the science as they've communicated to the American people at the very early days of the epidemic here in the U.S., the president minimizing it, saying, you know, we'd have one or two cases when, you know, quickly we had dozens and now many hundreds uh, saying we'd get a lid on this thing. That hasn't happened. And that kind of misinformation, questioning the science, calling into doubt the rates of fatality from the illness, saying, oh, I have a hundred something different, uh, saying that Google had committed to putting out a website that would offer all the all Americans the opportunity to figure out whether they needed to be tested and where the nearest place was where they could get tested. Now, that sounded awfully encouraging, didn't it? But of course, it wasn't true. Google had to put out a, a statement just a few hours after the president saying, that's not what we're doing. We're piloting a very small endeavor in San Francisco, and it'll take quite a while to see whether this can even be implemented nationally. So there has been a politicization of the truth, a desire to whitewash and kind of varnish the truth to minimize the political impact of this pandemic. And all of that interferes with people getting the hard facts that they need to take action. So I want to talk a bit about that problem of of especially Trump casting doubt. And I wonder right now, from your view, I mean, it, it seems bleak. It seems like we can't quite trust what's coming out of uh, the White House and what's coming out of the Oval Office. You know, where where do we look for truth? You know, I think the most credible sources are our scientists and health professionals, the CDC, the National Institute for Infectious Diseases. I think the WHO, World Health Organization, for the most part has proven trustworthy. And on top of this, there are a lot of individual health professionals around the country and around the world who are providing firsthand accounts, both scientific analyses and clinical accounts of what they're dealing with, for example, right now in Northern Italy that are instructive and vivid. And obviously you have to look at, you know, who's writing this? Who is this individual? Can you find their name on a website? Do they have the credentials? Have they been recognized as an expert on that this topic? So you need to be cautious about what you believe. Many of us, myself included, have fallen victim to receiving via email or via social media information that turns out to be false. And before we share that information, we really owe it to ourselves, to our own reputations, and to those who we're in dialogue with to verify where it's coming from and make sure it's truthful. Well, I, I want to switch briefly uh, gears here and talk about what's happening to writers and readers because of the virus. You know, we've we've obviously had to cancel events, close our offices, um, but more broadly, author talks are getting canceled, bookstores are closing down events. What impact is all of this having on the literary world? You know, it's really tough. I mean, under the best of circumstances, it's very difficult to make a living as a writer. And at a moment like this, where you can't reach readers, you can't participate in events that would provide you with honoraria income, you can't promote your book, people are not focused on necessarily uh, reading. I mean, they're turning to reading for comfort, but they may be looking to books they have in their library. They're not necessarily going out to the independent bookstore. So writers are hit hard. You know, on the other hand, I would say people have been talking about so many instances in which plague has provided inspiration, whether it's Boccaccio's Decameron or Shakespeare writing King Lear, you know, when they're under situations of 
quarantine. So the hope is this will generate some creativity, but we really need to think about steps to shore up the creative community. Another hard hit part of it are the, the playwrights and everybody associated with the theater, because of course here in New York City and around the country and around the world, theaters are going dark. And so that is uh, the, the cutting off of a lifeline for a whole group of creative professionals. Well, look, I don't want to end on too glum of a note. So I want to hear a little bit about what you're reading or watching right now that's either giving you a little bit of a distraction or more context to understand everything that's going on right now. Well, like everybody, I'm sort of obsessively clicking through all of the information on social media and connecting with friends all over the country and all over the world and sharing information and insight that we're gleaning about kind of how to manage through these days, how to keep our kids busy, how to get along with our partners and how to not go nuts at home. I'm also binge watching the uh, Hillary documentary on Hulu, which is pretty fascinating. And I've gone back to uh, Fleischman is in Trouble, a novel that I had started a couple months ago uh, during vacation. And then when I got back to work, I had to abandon it. And now it's quite delicious to be able to jump back in. Hey, that's a good thing. Well, look, Suzanne Nossel, uh, thanks so much. She's the CEO of Penn America. Her book, Dare to Speak, is available for pre-sale now. Check it out at penn.org. Thanks, Suzanne. Thanks, Stephen. Literature in the Time of Coronavirus. Okay, we thought we were being very clever with that title for our reading list this week. Over at pen.org, we have the nine books we think are worth reading if you're stuck at home or looking for some new ways to think about health, wellness, and our world. Topping the list, Anne Boyer's The Undying. A finalist for this year's Penn Jean Stein Book Award, The Undying recounts Boyer's own experience with cancer, reflects on the economics and politics of illness, and offers up how literature and art can be revitalizing. Check out that and more on our website, pen.org. And that's our first episode for Wednesday, March 18, 2020. Join us tomorrow for The Pen Pod. You can listen to all our episodes at pen.org. Follow us at Pen America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Sign up on our website for our daily Dare newsletter, where we track major stories about literature, free expression, and the news of the world. I'm Stephen Fee for Pen America. This is The Pen Pod. See you tomorrow.